0: Hi everyone, you're listening to Refugees On It podcast, I'm Sarah and today I'm with Augustine. Augustine, why don't you start off with telling us a little bit about yourself and where you're from, please?
1: Um, well, thank you for having me firstly, um, it's great to be here. And as like Sarah just said, um, my name is Augustine Kadendo, I was born in the Democratic Republic of Congo after my father was killed in a civil war we fled to a refugee camp in Malawi, which is just a small country under Tanzania. Um, So more in the east, I believe. But I am also Australian because I am a citizen and I do live here, even though I wasn't exactly born here.
0: How would you describe your childhood living in a refugee camp? Um, Because I read that when you posted (laughs) about running for your local council. And (laughs) how do you think it has impacted you now when you're a teenager
1: people get surprised when i say that living in the refugee camp like in hindsight of course was amazing for me like it was it was really good like although i know i saw people i saw people get you know stabbed and i was starving and i was lost as a person really like despite all that and more every day i would just wake up you know get a team organized play soccer have my one meal a day you know have a cold ass shower you know, out of, a, out of a bucket and then, you know, go to sleep. And I would just be repeating every day because, like, you know, we didn't even we didn't really have a school, so I never went to school. There was this one family in a refugee camp who had, um, you know, remember those, like, box TVs, like, with, like, those long, long box TVs? And they had, like, this bootleg martial arts movies, like Jackie Chan, <laughs> but it wasn't, like, in English. It wasn't, like, in English it was like, because you speak Chichewa in Malawi mm-hmm. or Chichewa or, or French or Swahili. It was in actual, like, Mandarin. We had no idea what they were saying, but it would just looked really cool. So, we yes. would watch those movies over and over again, and it would all have one meal together and we'd go to sleep, you know, have a shower and go to sleep. And we just repeat that every single day. So it was one of those, I just looked back on it. I'm just like, you know, it was like so simple, right? It was, I, I found now in hindsight, I found the beauty in, in the simplicity of it, of, of the whole thing. So, yeah, I was absolutely grateful for everything that I had because now, like where I am, you know, I sometimes catch myself being ungrateful. I complain about the most trivial things. Oh, the, the shower is so cold. The hot water isn't hot enough. You know, yeah. just like really trivial things that you know really don't compare to the stuff that I've really experienced. Mm. So it just takes some, you know, introspection from myself to understand where I have been, and this goes with the impact uh, or the way it has impacted me because I think that it's provided me with like an experience like no other. Like the way I see the world and. And life and people is not the same as like you know the average 19 year old because you know what I saw at 10 or 11 years old you know are only some things that people my age would only dream of and I also think that it has made me very determined you know very grateful definitely and very compassionate and understanding of people's suffering because I feel like once you've experienced something very deep you tend to see the world in a different light
0: yeah I definitely agree with what you're saying there, especially about how it just completely changes your perspective on a lot of things, um, especially when you go through something like this at a young age. And I think the people that we talk to, a lot of them are youth and a lot of them are driven to do some amazing things simply because of so many experiences that they've been through.
1: 100%.
0: I wanted to ask, are there any misconceptions that people often have about refugee camps?
1: There's heaps, actually. Yeah, I, I I think about it. I mean, there's there's a lot about just refugees in general,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: some I've heard about you know refugee camps is that you know all refugees live in camps, um, which is definitely wrong because refugee camps differ from country to country. You know, in some places they're organised areas with, you know, with government provided facilities and stuff like that, and elsewhere like these camps can be just like a group of makeshift shelters you know built by people fleeing conflict, like you mm-hmm. saw in Syria. In Malawi, that's where I was. It was. just like little shelters that people built. And another one I hear specifically about camps is that refugee camps have mostly adult males. Like, you know, it's just males or, or, or like, you know, criminals and stuff like that. Which is like, it's, it's, it's quite sad that that's this sort of rhetoric that, and discourse that we have in society because it's absolutely wrong. More than half of the world's refugees are under the age of 18. Correct. And and that's just like a fact, right? So like if if you look at it, right, 17 million children are forcibly displaced within their country of of origin every single year. Just children, 17 million each year. And then to have people right in a position of sort of privilege and a position where they can actually have understanding, their understanding is of negativity, right? To think that oh most people in refugee camps are males. And, and they're all criminals and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's really sad. And and I feel like this demographic breakdown also holds true for almost like every regional crisis in the world. And I feel like it's significant across contemporary child migration, right? because it's often inhumane, disregarded, and usually unregulated.
0: And it's... Also, like frustrating when a lot of people just believe these uh, misconceptions without questioning them.
1: And just like on refugees alone, I remember when we were coming to well, to Australia. I, remember, I think we were in like it might have been Woolworths, right? And my mom was in there. Some citizen came in and just like oh, and like said it under the breath like oh, they just bloody come here to steal our jobs. I'm <laughs> just like well <laughs> well no firstly because i doubt my mother is was in a refugee camp for years trying to find food and try, trying to raise two boys on her own i very much doubt her first thing in her mind was i'm gonna go to australia and steal karen's job at front counter right <laughs> it's, it's not something that you think about and it's like it's just ridiculous to me that people think refugees want to come to australia to steal their jobs it just makes no sense to me yeah, it's just like shows that the that complete disregard that some people have for the plight and suffering of others, which is sad, really.
0: Would you say that experiencing that has really inspired you to study what you study at university?
1: Oh yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah, because it's, it's changed my perspective on how I see the world really. Even just that, that statistic I said before, 17 million children being possibly removed from their homes. And, we, and you can't say, oh, there's no place to put them. There is. There is like so many places where we can put people that are actually suffering, that can alleviate their pain. And I feel like as people, right, we have an obligation to do that mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, we are all exactly the same, exactly the same. Right? We're we, we all going to go back exactly where we came from. I remember, like, I realized that if I have the position, right, and I have the opportunity to alleviate other people's suffering, why wouldn't I? And I remember I was reading this um, quote from Charles Dickens, and he's like, no one suffers who lightens the burdens of others. And that holds true, like, that I've always remembered that, and that holds true to who I am as a person. I'm not losing anything by trying to help other people.
0: If anything, you just gain more compassion and passion for, for what, what you're working towards. what were your first impressions when you came to Australia and did you did you feel like you were welcomed here
1: I'd be lying if I said it wasn't hard it was definitely hard I mean Mm. my community took me in very well I I would say that my community took me in very very well Um, I went to St Leo's church and also St Leo's primary school and Emmanuel college again like it was all in in local community so they, they took me and my family in and Hobson's Bay basically raised me for Oh, until, until where I am now. In a deeper sense, it, it was definitely difficult. Um, I couldn't speak a word of English when I came to Australia. Mm. Um, so that was like, what, nine, nine years ago? So nine years ago, I could not speak a word of English. And I had never been to school ever in my whole entire life. So I missed all the foundation learning that you have. So when I started primary school, it was like grade, grade four or five, I was behind on absolutely everything so mm-hmm. compared to my peers i was uh, it was it was really hard it was definitely definitely really hard the other cultural difference was huge for me as well like i remember actually me and my mom this is the story right me and my mom on the traffic lights right you know how there's the traffic lights and there's like the like the red guy on the traffic lights you now the mm-hmm. red crossing man and like you know how he stands like this yeah i remember like in australia i was looking at my mom we we're going to like shops and then we just stopped we stopped at the traffic lights i remember i was looking at my mom i'm like mom stand like this like i was asking her to stand how the the person the, on the, the yeah. red person was standing i'm like mom you're doing it wrong you're doing it wrong hurry up and then i'm like mom you won't go green unless you do that and then you just saw like people on the traffic just like laughing and it was just like it was one of those moments it was just like hilarious to me when the traffic lights turned green you just saw me just going like like back because like the green guy just yep. looks like that so i was like walking like this on the traffic lights and it was just like uh, yeah, it was just one of those moments like I always look back on I'm like like the cultural difference and just the cultural significance of that like was just huge for me like I've, I had never seen traffic lights in my entire life mm-hmm. people just dismissed that kind of stuff but it's not something that I've ever seen so it was just like it was huge it's just in terms of like community and cultural difference and cultural barrier <laughs> I remember saying hi uncle and hi auntie to absolutely yeah. everyone that walks past yeah right like it's it's so common um in ethnic cultures right like to just like you use, everyone is your uncle and your auntie and yeah. it's just a sign of respect i was walking down the street every single person literally every single person i'm like hi auntie hi uncle and then they're all looking at me like really funny like what is wrong with this kid like what and then i'm like mom am i doing something wrong and then she's like oh no just like just like smile and nod i'm like okay and like i've never forgotten that because that was such a huge part of my identity where i was even in a refugee camp or in congo right you were known as someone's son you're connected to a community right you're connected to people and, and that was true to the aboriginal culture as well like you know the, the respect that they have for their elders just from the experience that they have and and the things that they could learn that they could teach um the, the younger generation is incredible and i feel like we've sort of lost that in our community you know like everyone now has a sort of independent model of agency where they just mainly think about themselves it's all me 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 it's sad it's, it's really sad having an independent model of agency because you sort of lose that community feel
0: and is yeah. that something that you want to bring when you're running for council at Hobson's?
1: 100% 100%, 100%. I feel like it's so important and, and it's something that I want to bring back I mean it's, it's a great community already it's a great community already but I feel like it could be better. And I always say it's like, you know, right, there is no perfect period. Um, and as good as Hobson's Bay is, it can always be better. And we can always look after each other better. And we can always cater to people better into a block of businesses and, and young people better. Um, so I, I definitely wanna be in that community feel back.
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Was there a specific moment for you where you realized that you wanted to run for your local council? Or was it always something that you'd been, you know, thinking about or considering?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always thought about it, but when I received uh, the 2020 Young Citizen of the Year, that's when I realized how much I could dedicate and give myself to the community. But I wanted to prepare myself. I wanted to make sure that I really had something to give and to contribute. But then I remember there's this moment, like this one moment where I said, okay, now, no, I am definitely gonna do it this time. So when the rates were raised and I saw the look on my mother's face, right? And my mom is a single mother, you know, refugee mother. So when I saw her face, I I just straight away, like the decision, it wasn't even hard anymore. It just became like, yeah, this is something I have to do. Because I feel like a lot of times when we have the opportunity to do something, we tend to like you know always look at the pros and cons and doubt ourselves and think oh maybe I might not but I was like in that moment just straight away I'm like you know this is something I want to do because I can see that it's affecting our community and I don't represent this community because it's obviously representing me and giving me so much.
0: So nice to see someone you know as young as you wanting to give back to the community. Even just seeing on Facebook, the amount of young people running for their local councils, it's really inspiring to me as a young person. Why do you think it's really important to you know represent your city and for youths to be more engaged in the discussion?
1: It's huge, really, because it's like, it's often been said that the youth of today just aren't interested in politics, you know, as preceding generations, which is not true. But if you saw how young people were mobilising around the world towards the end of last year, right? Um, To fight for climate change. You wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say that because you can see that we actually care so much about issues that affect us. Young people are interested and they're passionate about politics and issues around Australia, locally, you know, nationally and internationally. And it's extremely important because we are the future of this planet, right? If you, (laughs) any way you look at it, all these issues discussed in parliament and in local councils and in state councils and state um, parliaments, they affect us. And, and that's what I think we have to realise. But then I also feel like it's, it's sort of hard, right, because there's this leadership gap that we have in Australia, right, we don't have very strong leaders. And it's not even like just me being harsh, but when you look at it statistically, right, logically, in the past, what, 13 years, Australians have had seven leadership changes. So no Australian under the age of 29 has ever voted for a prime minister who has lasted a full term. You can't say, oh, so obviously young people don't disengage No, it's just like we're disengaged in party politics. We can see that every time we vote, the people we voted in don't even last a full term. I just feel like it's important to send young people the message that they have a voice in Australia's democratic process.
0: And I think what you said about people thinking that our generation isn't really involved in politics, but seeing the support that came out for the um, like school strike for climate change last year and this year has been enormous and really inspiring. What change do you hope to bring in place at Hobson's Bay?
1: There's a couple of things that I definitely want to do. I want to focus on environment and climate change, of course, because it's something that young people are very, very passionate about. And something i'm very passionate about as well and i feel like by changing the way we use and produce energy 72 percent of emission reductions required um you know, to meet the you know the global uh climate agreement can be achieved easily in our cities right if if we just reduce the way we produce energy um i also want to focus on mental health of course because like i remember like a style like as you can tell i'm like a stat guy like i, I like to back my my stuff with logic um yeah. there's like 75 75% of mental health problems occur before the age of 25. It's an issue that affects young people greatly. So it's something I also want to tackle. Um, and this is why it's so important to me. I know I've lost three people in three years due to, to mental health. Um, so it's also something that's very close to home. I just think that our community needs to do better. Um, I also want to talk tackle like a lot of issues that my community is raising like rates, you know, rubbish bins, air pollution. I know we just got ranked. I also in the North and Brooklyn just got ranked in the top 10 worst air pollution in Australia or something like that, or in the world. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just shocking. I want to definitely advocate for that. And of course the rates and everything
0: like that. Yeah, you've got a full, full plate. <laughs> I, I, I guess... I, I,
1: I've got a fish plate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah,
0: that's amazing. thank you for sharing that. And I really hope to see you making those decisions for us because it's really important to have someone like you representing the community.
1: As a young person, I just want everyone to know, like, as a young person, you are a valued member of society. I think we tend to forget that, you know, I think we tend to think that, you know, the older we get, uh, we'll we'll, we'll worry about politics when we get old because that's what old people think. But as a young person, you are a valued member of, of society. Just because you're young doesn't mean your political views are not as important as your parents, as your grandparents or any other member of society. And I want you to be the voice for the voiceless or for those who have yet found... The courage to speak up for themselves.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I can't wait to see what you get up to in the future. I'm sure it's going to be really amazing. (laughs)